the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who comes in order to give us a King, Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, happy 4th of July. It's actually the 5th of July, but it's close enough, right? It, it's, it's close enough to that holiday where we celebrate the independence of our nation, which came about because a bunch of colonials decided that they did not want to be taxed by a king anymore, and several other things. And this has all become very apparent to us, especially this year, as a lot of people were watching the Disney Plus telecast of Hamilton, a a play that's all about the beginning years of our nation, about its birth, if you will. And uh, that has been uh, all over television screens throughout the nation as we continue to not be able to go necessarily to plays ourselves, but now we're able to see Broadway come into our living room via Disney+. Plus. Now, now, full disclosure, I have not seen Hamilton. And a part of the reason for that is that because I live in a household with three girls who are under the age of six, and we just don't want to get into the fights that would eventually come about if we had Disney Plus at our home. But I have listened to a few of the songs, and uh, a few of the songs are, are even done by the, the big baddie, the, the sort of uh, natural enemy in that movie, who is George III. Now, George III is kind of a, he, he's a character in this play, but he's really kind of less of a character than he is just sort of plot furniture. You see, he, he doesn't change at all, and that's a big part of his problem, is that he doesn't change the, the entire time. He's just sort of this, you know, whiny ex-boyfriend who happened to be sort of abusive. And, and, and as you listen to his songs, you, you see that come across, that he's so, so sad that the colonies are departing from England, and he can't figure out why, and yet he says these things that are, well, sort of violent and scary. And, and so you, you watch that show, and, and, and you begin to say, well, thank goodness we're America, and we don't have a king to keep us down anymore. Instead, we have a whole slew of bureaucrats to keep us down, I suppose. But that's a whole other story. Uh, there is this kind of question, though, this sort of ethos in our American existence that we have no experience with a king. And maybe even more than that, we don't want to have any experience with a king. We sort of distrust royalty. We're not the biggest fan. Well, until about the 
90s where people started getting real interested in what royal people were doing in terms of their pomp and circumstance and you know, when they got married and, and all of that princess stuff. And yet we still, we wanted to watch them on TV, but we didn't really want to watch them lead a country. And that's where it might be kind of difficult for us to really grasp all of the stuff that's in these readings today because these readings, you know, sort of ironically are about kings and they're about leadership and they're about having one person who is at the top of the heap. And as people who live in a democratic republic, we are not necessarily used to that. We're used to not somebody being on the top of the heap, but rather somebody being voted in. And, and that's a distinctly different feel. That's what our country is founded on, after all. And so when we get like the first reading where this entering king comes in and, and he's humble and seated on a donkey, we go, well, kind of, of course, we kind of think of our leaders and rulers as public servants. That's what we call them. And yet that was not the way that most people would have thought of a conquering king coming in. In fact, the, the distinctiveness of what is happening in that Zechariah reigning is, is supposed to be something that blows you away, that this entering king is not entering with a war horse. He's not entering with his troops that are going to come in and they're going to enslave all of your people, but rather this entering king is coming in with these domestic animals and even a domestic animal that isn't fully raised yet a domestic animal that hasn't quite figured out what life looks like that's what's going on there and that's a good picture of who we are with our king sometimes i mean sometimes you can be a real donkey to god you can be Somebody who kind of goes astray, somebody who's stubborn, somebody who isn't quite yet mature enough to really take on any kind of responsibility. And yet, Jesus chooses to ride you and say that you are his church. He chooses to say that you are the person through whom people will see him enter into the world. And we, we see that and we, we, we kind of wonder about that because our experience of kings, well, we, we kind of know this. We, we kind of know what it is to have a king, right? We, we know about George III after all, right? It, it ends up that George III, well, he, he was actually a, a pretty good king, for England, he, he ended up losing the colonies, and so because of that, uh, people had some negative things to say about him, especially us Americans, for quite some time. But he, he was a king in England for about 60 years. Now, at the end of that, he went kind of, uh, he had, had some mental illnesses, and, and he, he, he sort of went off the path, and uh, yet uh, most of his years of being a monarch in England actually set up a positive view for the monarchy for all of Britain. 
And, and uh, you, you kind of go, uh, the, the, things look different then. Um, how, how do we understand what, what it is that this guy was to us? And it, it ends up that he, he was a, a monarch in, in this, this democratic monarchy, this constitutional monarchy is what, what it was called, that it, it wasn't just him making sort of iron-fisted decisions, but that he was engaging with the people around him, and he was actually taking a, a little bit of, of humility in, in the midst of all of this. Now, there were certainly times that he wasn't, but we recognize that that's something that we appreciate in leaders, or at least that we say that we appreciate in leaders, that we, we appreciate when a, a leader has some degree of humility when they interact with the people that they are leading. And yet, at the same time, we sort of seem to adulate leaders that are not humble at all. Sometimes we, we look for leaders that are narcissistic. Sometimes we look for leaders that are filled with bravado. Sometimes we look for leaders that uh, seem to go exactly against what it is that we say Jesus is. And that's not altogether surprising because, after all, when we look for a leader, what we're looking for many times is that we're looking for somebody who is like ourselves. And we know how we lead ourselves. And we don't always lead ourselves with humility. In, in fact, sometimes it, it can be kind of rare that we lead ourselves with humility. Instead, we tend to look a little bit more like George III in Hamilton. We tend to look like somebody who is puffed up with pride and can't figure out why nobody really likes them. How is it that, that you could leave us? What's next after this? And so we end up getting ourselves into situations that we, we can't solve. Because we've just been too wrapped up in ourselves. And we need somebody to save us. We need a king. We need somebody who's going to come into our city walls. But come into our city walls not riding a war horse. Rather somebody who comes into our city walls riding a donkey, somebody who comes into our city walls, who comes in with the humility necessary to heal us and to set us right. And that's who Jesus says he is. You know, it's interesting, this gospel reading, one of the big lines that comes out of this gospel reading is that we take Jesus' yoke. Now, for the longest time, I've always thought of taking Jesus' yoke as something where Jesus takes his yoke off of himself and places it on us. But in, in a lot of ways, that's maybe a bad way to think about this. In fact, the better way to think about this is that Jesus is your king. Jesus is your 
cart driver. He's the one who is putting the yoke on you. His yoke is his kingdom. His yoke is your servitude in his kingdom. It's you being his servant. And he's saying, come to me because I will be your king and will put on you a yoke that is easy and light. And you know how I'm going to put that yoke on you that is easy and light? I'm going to take the yoke that's not. You see, Jesus doesn't give you his cross to bear. You bear your own cross. And that cross has been shaved down to nothingness by his sacrifice on the cross for you. Because he is a humble king. He is a king who wants to give you a yoke that is easy to bear. He is a king who wants to com- you to come and take rest. He is a king who wants you to experience Sabbath. He is a king who wants the best for you. And we have a hard time believing that he could actually want that. Because all of our pictures of kings are rulers who seek to dominate and lay heavy burdens upon their people. But if for once we can imagine a king who just wants you to chill out and watch Hamilton on TV and take a little bit of a break and be a part of his kingdom, part of the kingdom of ease, part of the kingdom of joy, a a part of the kingdom of rest. Doesn't that sound like a kingdom that you want to be a part of? That's his kingdom. And you're a part of it by the ease of water being applied to you in baptism. You're a part of it by the ease of an air cross being applied to you in confession and absolution. You're a part of it by the ease of hearing his words that say to you, come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. So may you this week recognize that you have a king, but he is a king of rest. For he has taken your burden upon himself and has given you his easy yoke. Amen.